Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and joining me this week to talk through Barnsley, Hull, Blackpool and eventually when it comes around Millwall. Firstly, it's Dan Lambert. Welcome, Dan. Good evening. Evening. And secondly, joining us, it's Lucas Ross. Evening, fellas. Evening, listeners. Good evening. Uh, so QPR lost on Saturday to bottom of the table Barnsley. And I guess that means season over. Sack the team. Sack Warburton. Sack the board. Rip everything up and sign a Delta Rapt again. Or, and let me just float this idea out there. We as fans could just not lose our minds at losing for just the third time in our last 16 league matches. Just remember that after 32 games last season, we were being reminded over and over and over again that it was Anthony Gordon's birthday, which is only 10 days away, by the way. So happy birthday, Anthony. Uh, so let's have a look at the game in question, Barnsley away. It was a desperately poor game, regardless of the overreaction. Uh, how was it for, from your guys' point of view? I don't think you guys weren't there, were you? So no, I didn't go. Keeping an eye over it on Twitter and stuff like that. What what, what was it like, Dan? Um, um just just poor from the off, really. Um, one of our probably one of our worst performances of the season. Um, yeah, it just just wasn't wasn't good in general. Lucas, um, I haven't really, I didn't really keep up with it because I was doing an eleven-hour shift at work on Saturday, and um, I, I went on my break at five just as the game was finishing. I got one of the lads at work to check the score, and it was, and he said it was nil-nil. Get out! It was one-nil full time, and then I checked Twitter, and QPR Twitter had gone into complete and utter meltdown. It was almost as if Chris Willock had been sold. That's how bad it was. Some of the overreactions were extreme. But it's Barnsley. They're our bogey team. We never, ever do well against them, it seems. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty paltry on Saturday. And I think um, big improvements needed if we want to do well tomorrow night. Yeah, so... As you mentioned, the Barnsley are a bit of a bogey side for us under Warburton. We've, I mean, it, more in the past due to the way that they've played under Valerian Ishmael and the pressing that they put on us. And, you know, Dan's sort of raised that point many a times throughout the season that we have struggled against Gegen pressing sides where a new sort of uh, trend is starting to appear that against sides like Peterborough and Barnsley and perhaps to a certain extent Bristol City earlier on in the season, we struggle to break teams down when we have a bit too much of the ball and when they're not coming on to us enough. Um, regardless, you know, you can make, um, I guess, lots of points about Barnsley perhaps playing well, perhaps playing better than they usually do. I don't really think there's much in that. I think it's more down to what we didn't do right on the day. And we just, it was everything just set was too slow. It was too laboured. There wasn't enough imagination there. Uh, we definitely missed Chris Willock. Um, but, you know, there was more than enough in that team, isn't there, Dan, to go out and get the result? Yeah, um, 100%. I mean, don't get me wrong, Willock is a key player. Um, but we still have more, like you said, more than enough quality. It just didn't feel all game like we penetrated them at all through, at least through through the middle um Warburton was adamant that the plan was to attack down the sides um somewhat it was somewhat visible but it was just aimless hopeless long balls um to Dykes and Gray down the channels um but no it just it just felt like it was a bad performance all around yeah I think when we did eventually get going uh, at the end of the first half and we kind of did that overlap with Chair and Wallace, then yeah, we, we threatened because that's one of our main points of attack. Um, it's just, unfortunately, this is something that sort of plagued both Wallace and Moses, is that they really struggled to get the ball into the box in a decent way for Dykes or Gray to get on the end of it. Um and I kind of just, you know, maybe it's one of these things that you notice when you're not playing that well. And it's a lot easier to um, 
look to talk about these games when you don't do well. I think we found that when when we did win four 0 against Reading, which you know, how long ago was that? Like not that long ago, two weekends ago, two weeks, two weeks ago, something like that. I mean, that's the sort of <laughs> two weeks ago we're thrashing a team and we feel like we're on top of the world. And yes, it's disappointing that we did lose to Barnsley, and we, you know. It was a waste of my Saturday going up there. But regardless, you can't... It's the overreaction. But, you know, it's just one of these things, isn't it? Um, the lack of service towards the forwards, just like, as you said, Dan, the whole game, it wasn't anything that they could actually get a hold of. I think the problems really are rooted in this game, in the sort in the midfield and to a certain extent, with the fact that the centre-backs had too much time on the ball. It's one of the things I remember about the Bristol City game, I think. They brought out stats afterwards about Jimmy Dunn having, like... was it? Oh, no, it was Blackburn, wasn't it? When Chair scored a fantastic goal. But Jimmy Dunn had had 77 touches or something like that, or made 77 passes. A ridiculous amount for a centre-back to be doing, even in a passing side like we, we do, and how, you know, I know how important the centre-backs are to the way that we set up. But it felt like that again. Every time one of the centre-backs was on the ball, even if there was a run forward, I can't remember specific incidents, but if there was a run forward, they didn't want to pick him out. They didn't try, at least. Um, and they just passed it sideways and eventually back to Marshall and goal. So that was probably, you know, I know Warburton said that you we wanted to attack uh, down the flanks, but like I said, there wasn't really much evidence of that. Um was there anything else that sort of like jumped out at you guys for sort of perhaps reasons why we lost? Um, I thought we were overloaded in the midfield. Um, you touched on it briefly, Alex. Obviously, it was Hendrick and Field um, up against their midfield three of Gomez, Keener and um, Benson. And then you still had Callum Styles on the right as a right wing back who likes to, to shift in, inside um, into the midfield. And you had um, Bassey dropping deep as like who was part in front to Morris. So what that's that's about six midfielders in the middle of the park against our two or three of chair drops deep. So I thought we were we were overrunning in the midfield. Um, no, that's that's about. It. I mean the the uh, the quality of the crossing um, I thought was something that was quite alarming, um, particularly Moses Odebadjo. Um I didn't think he really put a, put a good cross in all game. Um, we definitely lack combination play in the wide areas, well, compared to normal. Um, but yeah, just, there's, there's, there was quite a few things that you could pick apart, really. Yeah, I think Moses is one of the players that I kind of wanted to bring up because he had a really weird game. I know what you're saying about his crossing being poor and it, was, it wasn't good enough. Um, but apart from that, you know, maybe he's not... Um, I don't know whether he's the best at sort of like he can't go past a player in the style that Adoma will go past with a bit of skill or something like that. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't have the one v one ability. Um, no, uh, he's more. It's a weird one because he used to be a winger under Warburton at Brentford. Um, then he played more as a right back at Hull and fluctuated between right back and wing back at Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, we've touched on this like earlier on the season. I still think he's not really an attacking for fullback compared to compared to a domer at least um and he always has his tendency weird tendency to to drift him inside into the midfield um at times which loses our width again he definitely and i think you've mentioned this before he used his pace quite well to get back and actually (laughs) tracking back he was very good and winning the ball back he was always offering a ball out as well which wasn't always picked by marshall when distributing from like Instead, like Marshall would probably just roll it out to to Dunn, and and the problem with that is that Dunn was pretty much standing next to him a lot of the time. So we're very deep, and we invited them to press us in a sense. They didn't, they did at times, but we were making it a little bit too difficult for ourselves. There's an out ball with Moses on the wing, and we're not even trying to pass it out to him. He was honestly, he was unmarked plenty of times. And regardless of whether you thought at the weekend Moses played well or not, we didn't actually play the ball out to him enough because his pace at times, he did have the beating of players. 
you know, when it came to like exact one-on-ones, he didn't have the skill, but when he had open space in front of him, we still went passing it to him and it was actually incredibly frustrating. Um, having said that, I don't think it particularly helped when the crowd started chanting for Albert Adoma to come on, regardless of, you know, what you think of him. That's not quite going to help Moses, is it, in the long term? He's going to be, you know, if, if every time we're, you know, he doesn't play perhaps to his ability, we're singing chants about Adoma coming on. That isn't going to help, is it, guys? Like, what, what, what do you think about that? Like, is it fair criticism or is it just going like, to, is it unfair on Moses? What do you think, Lucas? I think, um, yeah, it's a strange one for sure because um, Moses, um, we've, we've seen before that he's a good player. Um, he definitely fits into the system, I think. Um, and we saw performances in the past, like against Coventry, you know, wasn't that that game? Cardiff, um, thought he played well against Peterborough, Swansea. We've seen that the lad has potential and he, he and he's a he's a good player on his day but i think on saturday even though i didn't really watch the game he he gave the ball away quite cheaply for the goal with um, a heavy touch and yeah i think we shouldn't really be chanting for doma to come on because yep yeah, it can break it can shatter his confidence further if you like and yeah, I think that we shouldn't really be chanting for any player to come on because you've always, because regardless of um, the player, you always got to back the boys. It's that simple. You always have to back the boys. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things about this game was the the lineup prior to the match. Jeff Hendrick replacing Stefan Johansson. I think we all saw it last week that Johansson was becoming a little bit of a scapegoat for perhaps a slightly below par performance. And you know what? Hendrick wasn't quite the Messiah that we were promised. I think that's fair to say. What do you guys think? Micah, you're smiling at that. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry. Another late entrance to the podcast. Um, yeah. It's, it's quite funny. I thought, um, although I am, I am of the opinion that I, I don't think Johansson has controlled games as well as he did in the back end of last season. I think part of the reason is because we haven't controlled games as well as we did. But um, as I think we were saying on the pod last week, weren't we? Like what he does for the team goes under the radar a lot um, for our fan base. And uh, again, no disrespect to Jeff Hendrick. He's just sort of made his league debut. But, uh, you know, I think there's there's a way to go before he's uh, replacing Steph, shall we say. Yeah, I think it, you know, Stefan is the leader of the side. Uh, whether you, not necessarily, perhaps um, most obvious at times, not quite like you sort of big centre half's going to be shouting at everything, but he is the captain of the side and the, clearly the team are behind him. You've seen Charlie Austin reply to tweets backing up Steph. There's plenty of uh, support in the squad for him. Um, so just not having that leader on the pitch as well, I think that can't really be understated how important it is just having your regular captain out there. I'm sure Lee Wallace is well respected in the squad as well, but if if you are, um, you've been reliant on someone like Johansson for so long, when he's not there, actually it is quite a noticeable hole. Um, yeah. And he, I thought when he did come on, he was slightly more positive. Hendrick was, you know, he was game, he was making himself available for a lot of stuff but he wasn't quite wasn't quite creating and it didn't improve massively I guess when mm-hmm. Johansson came on but <clears throat> there was a slight more zip to the play I would say um, that's the thing uh, their goal let's talk about that I guess elephant in the room um, there's been some suggestion Dan that uh, Marshall could do better hit yeah, I, I don't, I don't quite get that. I mean, like Lucas touched on a, um, a minute ago, Moses gives the ball away um, from a really heavy touch, and we just let Keener um, run at us. I think there's five players that don't engage with him, and it's and then Dickie's the sixth that um, that makes the slight initiative to 
to go and close him down. Obviously, it takes a slight deflection off of Dicky, and then it's it's a rocket of a of a shot. Um, I don't I don't think he should be doing better. I think the the blame goes no one closes him down, and there's there's five players that have the opportunity to do so. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really get the martial criticism there. Lucas, what do you think? Um, I think um, Steph, especially, he he sort of runs with him, if you like, and then he just stops. Like He just basically gives up once he's accepted that, oh, he's going to score. He just basically stops running and gives up. And, um, and obviously, as you said, there were five players um, near him and only Dickie had the initiative to sort of close him down, if you like, and... Then we just, and then he just, he, he lets off a strike. It's a good strike, to be fair. In the end, it was a, quite a good finish. Marshall gets a touch, but he just couldn't keep it out. He just couldn't keep it out. Um, and could he have got a stronger touch? Possibly, but he, he's not, he's not the one to blame here, I don't think. I think, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick out, I'm not going to name and shame anyone, but... What I'm going to say is that um, the defending should have been a lot better. A Gagan press side like Huddersfield um, would have been on, would have been onto that in a flash like this. They would have been they would have been onto it so quickly and be be closing it down um, before you know it, and they wouldn't give you the time or space to run forward and pull the trigger. And we did that, and that is a little bit of a worry going forward. This this one. Um, it reminds me of something that always used to get said in my limited days of playing 11 aside football. You give people time and space, they instantly improve as a footballer. You can give anyone an opportunity and they might score. But if you don't actually put them under a bit of pressure, it's going to be so much easier for them. And it reminded me of two goals that we conceded against Huddersfield away. I couldn't quite, I can't remember the exact year, but we lost. We it was we, we went down two 0 I think perhaps was it last, no, season? last season yeah and they scored very up, quickly and it was two identical goals coming down Dickie's side actually where no one went to meet the attacking player it's quite simple at times football if you just run at a defender they don't really want to make a tackle but the defender's got to do something um, that that's always kind of what um my dad focuses on as well in games like you kind of you've got you've got to run at players and he did the Barnsley player that scored simply did that he ran at us we didn't close him down he's done something he takes a shot it goes in that's you know you can pass and pass and pass as we found out at the weekend pass it on for hours at end and not get anywhere but sometimes you've just got to take the ball run at a player like and just try and create something out of nothing and that's what they did um, you know, it's just sort of like even a even a stop clock is correct twice a day. It, it just it, it, the same thing Kate um, came to my mind against Stoke. We we're just letting them run at us and thinking, and letting Darren, uh, what's it, uh, Stephen Fletcher, isn't it? Stephen Fletcher, letting him take so many shots. Well, you might think he's rubbish, but eventually he might score one. So can we please do something about it? Uh, Michael, what did you think? It was a painful experience in the stadium, but what, what did you think of their goal? Um, yeah, I know Lucas said he wasn't going to name on sh- name and shame, um, but I'm going to. Um, I think um, yeah, go the, f- the, the, the first part, yeah, the first part for me is Moses with the touch. Obviously, he's right footer on the left side he's going to try and get it on his right foot the touch is bad that happens you know that happens what's concerning for me is as he loses the ball he slows down and then when I think it's, is it Kina how you say his name Queen I don't know how you say his name but um yeah Kina was right Kina, Kina. yeah Kina um as he was as Kina was sort of like picking up speed then Moses sort of starts sprinting and it's like well, actually, you're the fastest player on the pitch. If you'd actually just started sprinting to close him down as soon as you lost the ball, then he's closed down and he has to play a pass. That's the first phase for me. The second part, again, no blame on Marshall for me. I think one thing people uh, underestimate with goalkeeping is the line of sight. And as Lucas and Dan pointed out, Dickie's gone to close down um, 
Keener, and I think is it Field or Johansson that stood there as well. I can't really remember. It was Johansson. Yeah, he's he's got a couple of players stood trying to close him down. You know, in terms of line of, I think he's done well to even get a hand on it. To be quite honest with you, I know the height is quite decent for a keeper, but I think he's done well to even get a hand on it because that's a rocket shot. Mm. Um, so no no blame on Marshall for me. It's more the thing that we go on about every week. It's like. Why are we just so like lax when it comes to pressing? Why do we like stand off players, invite them to run at us? And then when they score, we're stood around like, oh, what happened? Yeah. I think actually the highlights don't quite give it justice because it looked like, and I mean, we've said it looks like a rocket on here, but it looks so much quicker in the stadium. Um, and I couldn't, you know, being at the other end, you can't quite sort of see what's happening, but it did look like it'd been, you know, came off the crossbar or something like that and then like the deflections but it did I don't think Marshall had much chance it was a very good shot and you know on the balance of play Barnsley probably deserved to win you'd say probably yeah, I'd say pretty much yeah I, I think they did um we just we weren't good enough in most aspects um at least at least in at least in attack the quality of chances was was pretty much woeful. I think it was 12 shots and we racked up a, an XG of 0.6, which is like nothing in a game. Uh, that's, that's, that's bad. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think they were the better side. They were better on the ball than us um, They and they, they created more chances ultimately. Um, I didn't realise actually until yesterday that Dykes had a really good chance right at the death because I had left at this point Um and then I see it on the highlights, and it sort of this sums up our afternoon, doesn't it? Because this, I know what Dan's just saying there about the XG. At times, we've well, actually, throughout the season, there's something that you've pointed out on Twitter as well, Dan. We've been overperforming, uh, and you know sometimes that's going to come back and bite you eventually. Um, and that strikes me as a sort of moment where you have these sort of clinical strikers like Dykes and Austin. You just hope that they get something on it and it goes in. Um, some people might laugh at me calling Dykes clinical, but you know, he, he's got a pretty decent return this season and he's got a very clinical record for Scotland this year as well. So you kind of, you hope that he gets something on it and it kind of maybe papers over a few cracks. But that's kind of how we've been playing, isn't it, this year? Overperforming when we haven't been playing well enough, maybe just getting something, you know, like I've mentioned it already, but the Blackburn game when Chair pick, you know, scores that fantastic goal. And we look getting that goal against uh, Blackpool when we're getting dominated by them and we come out with a point from there. Surely that's the kind of what, maybe it's not the most entertaining way, but that's the way that you do get perhaps promoted in the end, isn't it? With winning games, drawing games, picking up points when you're not playing well enough, and it didn't quite come off at the weekend, but it might come off in the future. What do we think? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, but then there is an aspect of the overperformance will sometimes come to bite you, and, um, and we will regress at some point. Um, I mean, realistically, probably our only real bad spell this season was probably October, November kind of period where we where we were leaking goals quite badly and probably weren't scoring enough. Um, so we've had we've had one small um, bad spell, but I don't think we've had a really prolonged bad spell this season. I'm not saying it's going to come, but there's times, or well, like we said, we've been overperforming. We need to create better chances. Um, I think part of that part of that comes with the fact that we we're missing Willock on. On Saturday, obviously a, a very big player for us in terms of creativity, but um, we can't we can't rely on one player to to create all our chances for us. Micah, are you a little bit worried? Perhaps going into this, it is the running now. It's you know this is the is. business end of the championship, as they say, and we are currently sitting in the playoffs, which is where we would have wanted to be mm-hmm. at the start of the season. So. Is this, you know, is there anything from this game and perhaps the Peterborough game as well that's got you slightly worried about the the way we're going to be playing? Um, obviously, those two defeats 
concerning because obviously they're two of two of the worst teams in the league. But it's tough for me because my 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 pessimism and my optimism are kind of just like lined with the same thing, which is that I don't feel like we've really put in a performance this season that matches our best from last season. So sometimes when we're in a winning run and we haven't played well, it's like, oh, you know, this isn't even us at our best. Like imagine when, imagine when we like kick on and look good. And then when you get a couple of results like this, you know, it's kind of less silver linings and it's more like, oh my God, like we haven't actually really played that well other than beating Reading and probably good result um, against Huddersfield. So it's like, my concern is that I don't think we can do this over the duration of a season. I think there has to come a point where I'm not saying we have to beat teams 4-0 like we do Reading, but we do have to sort of be the protagonist in games and like be the reason that the game is over, like win the game, comfortable 2-0 or something. Like we we need to start having the performances to match the results. I think I said in the chat the other day, the difference between playoffs and automatics is consistent performances and results. You get a lot of playoff teams that play good football, but then don't have the results to match it. We're a playoff team that have the results to match it, but the performances haven't really sort of like lived up to the results. So my my concern is the same concern I've had all season, which is that when are we going to hit fifth gear? Because... At the minute, we've got 18 games left, is it? Something like that. Mm, sounds about right. I haven't got whatever it is, it's, it's we've got less games less than we left than we played, and we still haven't got into fifth gear. So I do have some concerns there. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that we were saying, like right at the start of the season, around the time of the Bristol well, first half of the Bristol City game, we kind of thought all right, at some point we're gonna thrash someone, someone's gonna cop us on a bad day. We did get it eventually with Reading. Um and kind of hope from there that that was going to be a bit of a turning point and we were going to see us be a bit more confident. I don't yeah. mind scrappy away wins. I don't mind that at all. I mean, if you go to another team's place and dominate them, fantastic. That's brilliant. But I think certainly at home, there needs to be a bit more... I'd hope for a bit more dominance, especially against lower teams in the lower end of the table. I mean, um, my, my, my thing kind of is as well, like... I get what you're saying, um, and this might be a little bit different to what you're saying, but whether it's Warburton's QPR, Holloway's QPR, Hasselbank's QPR, even Steve McLaren's QPR, bottom of the league is the most winnable game. It's your most winnable game of yeah. the season. You have to be beating bottom of the league. And I understand a lot of people were a bit like, oh, everyone's going overboard. And yeah, some people go overboard. Some people go overboard when we win. But, you know, losing to bottom of the league if you're not bottom of the league should never be acceptable in my opinion that is a winnable game in whatever division whatever country you play in yeah I, I don't I don't disagree with that I think the the thing with the overreaction is just sort of like how people it's weird how people react and we'll cover it a bit more when we look at what who we want to go out in the next game but I've seen some truly shocking suggestions of how we should play because apparently we should ditch the wing backs formation and four, and, three, three. Four three yeah. three and play Barbe and like Barbe Adoma at right back and left back, which you know as much as they can say whatever, that's still kind of looking at the width in that side. And I can't believe I'm really sort of giving them air here, but that's still kind of a wing back side because do you really think Adoma is just going to be playing as a right back? <laughs> Do you really think that? No, he's not, is he? And Barbe's not, you know, he's he's prone to wander off at times as well. So, you know, it, it, that's the sort of overreaction that I um right. I'm not too so fond. Moving of. on from the disappointments, which was Barnsley, we have another opportunity against the side at at the wrong end of the table. Yeah, they're 19th, so they are at the wrong end. We've got Hull at the weekend. In fact, actually, Hull was the first team we talked about on this podcast in this current format. Way back at the start of the season, our first podcast uh, came out post the Hull away day, which was quite a nice one, I think, if memory serves me correct. But what are we expecting from Hull at the weekend? Micah, you can start us off. Start us off, Um Can't. 
I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about Hull, to be honest with you. I do know that uh, Keen Lewis Potter is destined for very, very big things, and I like him as a player. Um, where are Hull in the league? I've not done any research. 19. 19th. So they're still down there. Um, Nine wins, five draws, 17 losses. Isn't there a bit of a gap between like the bottom three and then like like 19th, 18th upwards? Yeah, yeah. so what it, so what it is is that Hull and Cardiff have tied on goal difference and then there's a 10-point gap down to 21st. Okay, so I mean, they're down there, but they're not really down there, are they? No, especially mm. with the points deductions to Reading and Derby, they're probably safe bar a complete capitulation. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I mean, I was quite impressed with them. I know we beat them 3-0 away, but I never really thought 3-0 was a fair reflection of that game. I thought they actually pushed us all the way, to be fair to you. They're a decent side. Um, I know they've got a new manager, haven't they? They just sat Grant McCann, didn't they? So I, I don't know much about the new manager or how he plays. But um, yeah, you know, they, they, they've... Taken the step up quite well, I feel, to the championship hole. So it won't be an easy game. Dan, what what are you expecting from Hull under the new leadership of uh, former Ajax and Rangers striker Shutter Aravel? Yeah, I didn't want to. I'm allowed to say that. I did not want to attempt to say that. Um, well, that's why you, that's from... why I'm here, Dan. Just making you, everything easier for the rest of you. Um. Like Micah, I haven't watched too much of the new Hull. Um, I thought, to be honest, I thought Grant McCann was pretty sacked um, a bit harshly. Um, I know it was a new ownership, Turkish ownership, but he got some good results at the back end of his reign. Um, develops young players, um, plays some, play some good football. Um, like Micah said, Keen Lewis Potter, a uh, very good player. Probably their, their standout attacker. Um, and I quite like Jacob Greaves. Um Left-footed centre-half, probably, in my opinion, one of the best centre-halves in the division. I think he'll go on to do big things as well. Um, they've got another good centre-back called Deshaun, Deshaun Bernard, uh, on loan from United. He's a good player. And then they've got, they just bought Ryan Ryan Longman from Brighton. Uh, they made his loan deal permanent. He plays, well, he was a winger on loan at Wimbledon last season, but since the Grant McCann changed to a wing-back system and the new manager's still adapted that system. He's um he's shoehorned in at, at wing back, so that could be something that we, we look to target. Yeah. Um well they've only won once since the appointment of the new manager and that was in his first game against Swansea. Since then they've lost to Preston, Derby and Fulham. Uh so winless in the last three games. Um yeah. which, as Barnsley proved at the weekend doesn't mean much, but at the same time as Dan said, uh, McCann, who's probably left, obviously he's been, he got sacked, but he's got gone with a good reputation, let's say. And I'm sure he'll be back in management pretty soon at the top end of League One, bottom end of the championship. So, um, yeah, I think it's not quite working just yet. A bit of a new manager bounce against against Swansea, but... We're playing them at home. We've got to be confident. We've got to put the memories of Barnsley out of our mind before going into this game. Um, speaking of changes from Barnsley, Lucas, if you could make one or two changes, who would you be going for here? Um, in for us, I'd say um, Adoma in for Moses. Um, think we're at our best when our back five is Moses, Dickey, Dunn, Barbe, Wallace and Dunn playing in the centre and Dickey and Barbe on either side. And to be honest, in midfield, I think we could either have the, um, I think if Willock's fit, he, need, he needs to come in and we have, um, we, we have Field, Johansson, no, Field, Hendrick, Willock chair and then Dykes up top, I reckon, for Hull. Um, I think Dykes, he plays well when it's one up top. And I think having, I think we're at our most deadly, if you like, with chair and Willock on the pitch. And especially if they have Butterfingers, Matt Ingram in goal, because he's been playing quite a bit recently. I think we need chair and Willock on the pitch, especially if they have Ingram in goal. Um, one of, 
things that you mentioned there obviously is the fitness for Willock. He, I think that what was said in the tweet when the teams was announced on Saturday is that he picked up a knock in training. Now, yeah. to me, knock is at most like a week out. Yeah, Warburton, Warburton said today that um, they're assessing his fitness and he could potentially play against Millwall, so they haven't ruled him out. Yeah, I think, yeah, keep your cards close to your chest. But regardless, I would be looking to play two attacking midfielders in both these games against Millwall and Hull. I just think we've meant, someone mentioned it last week, we, we are a better side when we play them. Probably because, you know, when you're playing your two best players in Chair and Willock, you're naturally going to be better. But I think it just it just works that we've played majority of the season with this formation. Um, so even if Willock isn't fit, then I think it's George Thomas time. Let's get him a start. Um, <laughs> and I don't I say that with the utmost amount of uh seriousness. Um I'm not saying that because I am a me- member of the George Thomas Appreciation Society. I think it, it just works better for the side. And as Lucas said, Dykes can lead the line up front uh, by himself. I actually think that um, even though we made a big deal about it last season, that doesn't mean a good partnership between any of the strikers this year, whatever sort of no, formation. Weird, it? No, no one, you know, it doesn't matter who's, what combination gets put out. They don't seem to be working well with each other. And if, if someone's gone to the front post, someone's not in the right area, they're not quite reading where Dykes is winning the headers and stuff like that. So I think one striker is probably better for us. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no, it's, it's a weird one because obviously Charlie and um, Dykes looked like they were forming a really good partnership last season. Um, and then you bring in Andre Gray, who I think does a lot of things that the other two don't do. So I, I feel like Andre Gray, like, compliments the other two or should on paper compliment them quite well but just hasn't seemed to be the case and I, I can't really give you a reason as to why because I'm not sure but um yes yeah, it's, it's a weird one Dan what changes would you be looking to make to the side um in an ideal world it'd be a doma for Moses um Steph for Hendrick or uh, pending uh, whether his stomach bug or whatever he had is any better um and yeah i'd have i'd have willock in um the only thing for saturday that i'd be wary of is potentially wallace i don't know we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night um if he plays a full 90 played a full 90 on saturday tuesday and then saturday again is he capable of doing that at the minute i'm not i'm not too sure so possibly you could see moses on the left but we'll have to see well interestingly enough um we did the under-23s, I guess, played uh, in the Premier League Cup against Blackburn and won 6-3. And Sam McCallum completed 75 minutes in that game. Um, Obviously, when Wallace came back into the side, he got, I'd say, rushed back in because we had no other option at left wing back. But do you think potentially, maybe not for Millwall, but for Saturday... This is them ramping up uh, McCallum's return in time for uh, Hull coming to visit. What do we think? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I think, I think... Warburton said today, I think that um, they were going to take it slow under like Norwich's instruction. But I think the idea is that obviously he'll be in the match day squad this weekend. So whether he starts is another question. I think he'll be involved at some point. Yeah. Dan, you had something to say on that? No, I was just going to say, I don't think he'll start on the weekend. Um, I think you've got to be careful. It's the second, is it a second hamstring injury? Or at least it's the second same injury that's recurred um, this season. So you can't you can't just throw him in the deep end all of a sudden, whether we need to or not, um, for for his his own um, development in, fut- in the future, really. Yeah, I mean, if there's any chance of us signing him next season permanently... I joke. Oh um, no, no, we're not going to get we're not going to get next season. But like, but just in general, because you've got to think of yeah. I know it's a big topic. Like it's, the last it's year duty or so of care, isn't welfare. It? Yeah, yeah. You and, can't just sort of ruin a player just for the sake of a playoff push. Yeah, he's what nineteen twenty. Um, got plenty of years ahead of him, and yeah, you can't if if he gets any more injuries, he's just going to ruin his ruin his own career, really. Absolutely. 
Um, is there anything else that we want to touch on on Hull? Dieng or Marshall? Any anyone's opinions changed? I don't think I it's think changed. We, no, but I, think, I still but, think but, I think there, we there said give him two games. Give him two I games. Think, and I it, don't we, think his distribution though was 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 brilliant on Saturday. No. I think I think it wasn't so much his decision um, his distribution. It was more his decision making. A lot of the time, the ball would just get punted um, needlessly to Dykes. Uh, like you said, Alex, Adebayo wasn't really used. I think Dieng overall probably does have better distribution, but based on his shot stopping, I don't think you can drop him. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, again, it's another midweek game for us, uh, quite far in the future, I guess, against Blackpool. Um, if this is all a little bit confusing, we are recording a mill portion once the game has been completed. It's just uh, because of our work arrangements, we've had to record the rest of the pod on uh, Monday evening. So the Mule game obviously hasn't been played yet, but we are going to look ahead to Blackpool very briefly. I thought at their place we were dominated a little bit and we we're quite lucky to come away with a point, you know, a dodgy refereeing decision. Um, I was quite impressed by them and I thought that they might maybe not go for a playoff position, but I thought they would be a little bit higher than they actually are. They're kind of mid-table, which is obviously a good you know, 14th place, it's a good position for a team that's just got promoted, I guess on a very small budget as well. But I thought they were going to perhaps sustain a bit more of a push from what we saw. I mean, you know, obviously I'm wrong and so it makes more sense to sort of suggest that they wouldn't. But what what we thinking for, for Blackpool? Well, in, in, well, in terms of this, I think they're only five off the playoffs. Um, I might be wrong. It's It's very tight down there. Um, I read up that they've been having a significant amount of injuries. Um, obviously, they had a small budget in the summer and I don't think they spent much in January. Um, and when you have quite a small squad and injuries, to keep that up for, for, for a newly promoted side is quite impressive. Um, like you said, we were dominated. I think dominated was pretty an understatement at their place. We were we were pretty poor that game. Um, their, their, their main... Their main style is that they're a very aggressive front-footed pressing side. Um, they've got some good players like the likes of Josh Bowler that we um, will know about. I think he was he was he had quite a few suitors in the window in January. Uh, good ball carrier, direct and pacey. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it. it's more of a, well, football is a team game, but it's like, it's more of a, a team-orientated system in the sense that it works collectively, not not based on uh, one specific individual. Um, I think that would be a be a it'll be a tough game. And obviously, like we said before, we know we know what we're like against these kind of these kind of teams. Michael, what are you expecting from this game? Yeah, um, I was impressed by them in uh, December, November when we played. November, November was yeah. Um, similar to you, Alex, I did think, oh, this is a team that will be right up amongst it in the playoffs. Yeah. I think I think they're eight yeah. points off now and they've played an extra game on Middlesbrough, so it's going to be tough for them. I think for them, they're a side that, uh, if anything, their budget is holding them back. Um, I think Critchley, obviously, was at Liverpool when he worked under Jurgen Klopp. And a lot of similarities in terms of how the two sides play and set up. Um, so they might be they might be a team for next year for a playoff push. I I don't know what type of sellable assets they have. Obviously, Josh Josh Bowler was mentioned. Um, so they might be a team for next season. Um, as far as this season goes, I think they're probably a mid-table team. I think they're definitely safe. They won't be going up. Um, you would hope for our sake, that that kind of affects their motivation in a sense and we have a little bit more to play for than them. Um, but it, it, it's just tough to tell with these teams that press us really aggressively. You can Sometimes we pull a performance out of the bag. Sometimes we just get like completely decimated. Um, so I'm, I, I don't really know. I know what to expect, but I don't know how we'll react, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, 
I mean, as I said, like it's next week, so there's obviously two games to play before we get to uh, Blackpool, and they've got to play twice as well. So it could look, you know, as we all know, because two weeks ago we were beat thrashing teams 4-0. A couple of games changes perspective on a few things. So we could feel a lot more comfortable going into this game in the cup when it actually comes around to it. Um, you mentioned sellable assets. Well, they have someone that we were looking at earlier on in the uh, transfer window. Keshi Anson, yeah. Dan Lambert's third favourite footballer behind George Thomas and David Marshall. So, um, Dan, <laughs> just, ex- just explain that you love him, really. Just explain, uh, as you have before, what Keshi Anderson brings to Blackpool. Isn't he injured at the moment, though? Is he injured? I think he's injured. He hasn't been playing. Um, he picked up an injury in the FA Cup, so that okay. wouldn't be 20, 20 of our work. It could come back to bite me. This he could be could make a recovery, but I haven't I haven't really paid attention to his to his injury on bit. Okay, fair enough. Uh, just looking at the home and away tables, Blackpool are fifteenth uh, on away form. They've only won three times away from home, and uh, for us at home, we're fifth. We've taken eight wins, and we've got a plus ten goal difference at home so you know this is we we've actually we're fifth in the away table as well so it's pretty much you know exactly where you expect us to be but as a playoff push inside but this you know it's another opportunity I guess before the Barnsley game I would have hoped for six points from Hull and Blackpool are we kind of because of the result at the weekend are we slightly checking our expectations a little bit? Um, what from from both Blackpool and um, Hull? Probably. Yeah, but probably more. I'm more worried about Hull. Uh, sorry, Blackpool. I think Hull's still winnable playing at home, but I still think Blackpool are a good side and the way they I think, play. I think we should different. be getting six, but I don't think four is necessarily a reason to panic. It's it's what two points per two points per game. Oh, it's, it's only two games, but and that's what realistically Walkerton at least has been targeting since the start of the season is to to reach two points per game. Because I don't know exactly the history of the championship and what that gets you. Is that promotion form or is that playoff? playoff form? Yeah, yeah, two points a game over forty six games. That's, that's but definitely yeah, it'd definitely be playoff. Um, I mean, yeah, isn't so, it like seventy usually for playoffs? Like minimum. Yeah, I think the lowest total ever was like sixty-eight. So you you need to hit seventy really for playoffs. Yeah, but no, I don't think I don't think four points from from those two games is necessarily something to panic about. There will be people that panic that did after after the defeat to Barnsley, but um, no, I'd, I'd I'd be okay with four points from those two. Yeah, Micah, anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say check in expectations after Barnsley. I think most people will probably look at that Barnsley result and be like, that is just an example of a team just not showing up. I don't think the wheels have fallen off or anything over the top. I think it's just frustrating to lose because obviously these next couple of games also look winnable. Um, so we, we could have had nine points on the board. But truthfully, four from the next two, I'm not going to be gutted. Like, it's not going to be the end of the world for me. I mean, still in the playoffs, still in the automatic conversation. You know, it's not the end of the world, four points. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to ask you now for some predictions. Michael, you can start us off with your prediction for Hull. This is hard because I'm predicting this before uh, the midweek games. So I bet you I'm going to predict, I'm going to predict us to win 2-0. And then tomorrow I'm going to find out that Hull won their game like 4-0 or something crazy. Um, but I'm saying I'm saying 2-0 QPR. Dan, uh, your prediction, please. I was going to go 2-0 like Michael, but I'll, I'll be a bit different. I'll say 1-0. 1-0, OK. Uh, I'll tell you what, if Hull do win tomorrow 4-0, I'll be really worried because they're playing Sheffield United away. And that would be a statement. I will say, see, this is the thing with the, I keep forgetting that we're playing tomorrow because of the record when we're recording this. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say 3-0 and that will be us bouncing back. But no, we're just going to win 3-0. Uh, 
hopefully after winning 3-0 in the week as well. Uh, yeah, so I'll say 3-0 at home. Re- repeat of the scoreline. We, we're at home. We're, it's going to be a better play. Uh, and then, please, Dan uh, Blackpool, what are you predicting? Uh, I'll go for a 2-1 win as well to us. Micah? That was mine, so I'm going to say 3 <laughs> The thing is, these games do feel like you just get a feeling from, don't you? In this sort of like, oh, that feels like a two-one sort of game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, all our games have been like two nils and one nils. So yeah, uh, I'm saying one nil then. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, so that <laughs> is it for this section of the podcast. Uh, the next voice that you're going to hear is going to be Micah's, and it's going to be post uh, Millwall as we come back uh, to review that game and hopefully the lads will have plenty of good things to talk about so uh if you are wondering where alex is alex has taken all the profits from the podcast and has disappeared to barbados so um unfortunately you're left with myself dan and lucas how are we fellas not bad at all not bad at all so uh <laughs> if you're feeling not bad now you're about to feel worse because we are going to have to discuss Millwall. Um, so we are about 48 hours removed from it nearly. Uh, 2-0 defeat away at Millwall, somewhere where we have historically struggled. Uh, Rangers mustered up two shots on target, despite heavily dominating possession. And this has been described by many on and off Twitter as our worst performance of the season. So I will start with Dan. Dan, what did you just think about the game in general? Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't good enough. There's no there's no beating around the bush. Um, we were second best, quite passive. Um, Mill certainly deserved the win and um, were the better side. But it was always going to be it was always going to be a matter of, especially with both systems being the same and identical. It was going to be who was going to win their duels, be more aggressive, front footed, and they 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 were they were that in all of them. Yeah. Lucas, what did you uh, did you go to the game, Lucas? I did not. No, um, I didn't go. Um, no, probably for the best. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, from what I saw, it was pretty poor from start to finish. We never really got going at all, and we were second best. We were on the back burner for a lot of the game, and ultimately second best. And as painful as we as painful as it is, got what we deserved. I'm afraid. So what, what is it that everybody thinks seems to be going wrong? Because obviously, if you if you look at the possession stats, this is probably one of our more dominant games in terms of having the ball. But when you look at how we've converted that into shots and chances, we seem to struggle. Is it a creativity issue, do you think, Lucas? Um, um, could be. Um, I thought that I'm um, pop. This might not go down well with some people, but I don't think Chair has lived up to full potential since coming back from AFCON. I think with just just with Willett playing behind two strikers um, while Chair was gone, I think that worked a treat. Um, obviously, what the one strike at Reading works even better when Gray went off with Jamaica. Um, but I think that. Chair coming back hasn't been as influential as m- most people thought it would have been. Um, but I'm not 100% sure what it is because you've got people like Jimmy Dunn and Sam Field who, put everything, who leave everything on the pitch every single week. And then you've got players who are just switched off and have just sort of given up. They've sort of said, oh, we're fourth in the league, let's give up. And I'm not, I'm not going to name and shame, but... Um, feel like it um, and obviously to make matters worse Rob Dickey has now been suspended for two matches as well yeah so Dickey is going to miss the next two games but he I believe he will return in time for Blackburn away yeah yeah he will he will very big game uh, Dan what do you think just in terms not just in terms of chair but in terms of uh, in general what what is what was it on um, on Tuesday um, I think creativity comes into it. I don't think the front three of Dykes, Willock and Cho were as fluid as they have been, or we know they have, they can be. Um, 
I do think it's some of it is weighted on the opposition. A lot of teams know our strengths in attack. They're happy to sit sit that bit deeper, um, close off those spaces um, to create the chances, which is forcing us a bit more long at times. But in in general, we just we just weren't we didn't do the basics right, like Walton said. Um, if you don't, when you choose your tackles, etc., then we can't get on the ball. Um, to, to any to any advantage. Yeah, do you know what? It's funny you say that actually because um, post game, Gary Rowett was talking and he said something along the lines of QPR play like they want teams to press them, and he was essentially saying because we're just so comfortable holding onto the ball, it's like we're begging teams to kind of just come and press us to come and close us down. Dan, do you think that is something that is working against us or is this just the occupational hazard of playing Millwall and playing a good manager? Well, in terms of in terms of teams pressing us? In terms of teams pressing us. I know how you feel about <laughs> us being pressed, but do you think this whole idea of keeping the ball to try and draw teams out and then catch them, do you think eventually it's going to come unstuck? I, th- I think it works because... Forcing forcing sides to pressure you um, generally does mean that they'll lose their shape in some sort, and they they can't just sit in all the time and keep a keep a solid foundation. Um, but it, it's been it's been generally hard over the last probably three four games, probably right the way back since Coventry that we haven't really broken teams down through the middle at least. Mm. It's felt a lot of the time the ball gets played sideways or backwards we have to go down the sides go along to dykes or gray um so i do think we do have to give some somewhat credit to, to the opposition for for sniffing us out at the minute but it's certainly something that we have to work on ourselves mm-hmm. yeah when i kind of look at it i do feel as though sometimes there's a real lack of urgency uh, especially in moving the ball forwards in midfields and obviously oftentimes that can be not just the midfielder's fault. Oftentimes there's not enough movement up front. I think one thing that we severely lack in the wide areas is a bit of pace. Um, so I, I can see how it's coming unstuck, if that makes sense. I can see how it's becoming a problem. Um, you know, other people have their own diagnosis. Uh, one uh, particular diagnosis is that Steph Johansson's performances in recent weeks so um you know obviously as we know we probably had one of his best performances at the club uh, against Reading a few weeks ago but since then there has been a lot of criticism for his performances which has actually led to a wider discussion about how good he's actually been this season so I'm going to start with Lucas Lucas what is your take on Steph Johansson at the moment um it's a sticky one that's for sure because we all know the <laughs> baller he can be we saw it towards the tail end of last season and we saw against teams like Huddersfield, Reading, Nottingham Forest to name a few but I think recently he's just sort of he's just sort of faded off and I think he's just I think it's not easy to sum up because it, I, I don't really know what to say about it other than it, other than it's been a bit of a lap, some lapses in concentration since then since the Reading match and yes yeah, just sort of compiled into a series of unfortunate events. Mm. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I really don't. I struggle to get the criticism um, as a whole. I don't think that. Some of the performances are what he performed last season, but I don't think you can compare one season to the other. There's there's so many different factors that that um that could that could make the difference. I mean, we spoke about last week that he, he doesn't really get the chance in these games of late. Um that have been so tight he can't control them as well as we know he can do. Um I don't know, pe- people people moan about I don't know. He, he sends need, needless balls long over the top, but then you think, why? Why does he do that? Because the opposition are happy to sit in front, and there's no there's no other way of breaking breaking them down. Um, I disagree completely with people moaning about his desire, attitude, and work rate. I mean, if you want to 
I don't know how you how you can sit there and criticise the fact that he doesn't care about the club, considering that what the squads we've had over the lot over previous seasons. Um, yeah, I just I just don't get it. I, th- I think he's still one of our best players, best players in the side, and certainly for me, one of the uh, first teams on names on the team sheet. Yeah, I do think. Um... Not to sit on the fence, but I am the host, so I'm going to sit on the fence. Um, some of the uh, criticism has just gone way overboard. I've seen people say that he should be stripped of the captaincy. I've seen people say that he should lose his place in the team to Jeff Hendrick or to anybody else. I've seen people say he should be sold in the summer or shouldn't play until he sorts his attitude out. I think we can leave the attitude thing to the side. I think somebody taking a pay cut to come and play QPR or allegedly taking a pay cut to come and play for QPR should show you how much he does care. Um, the, the wider point, I suppose, I think at times this season, his lowest points or his worst performances were definitely worse than his worst performances last season. Um, I do think that he maybe hasn't controlled games as well as he did at the back end of last season. But I think that's just a wider symptom of the team in general, to be honest. I think we haven't really controlled too many games from start to finish this season. Um, but I don't know. what what Does everyone think maybe it's an issue with the midfield partners? He, he's played next to pretty much everybody this season. So do do we think maybe he's better next to Dazal? Maybe he's better next to Amos? Or what, what does everyone think? I think he's best off next to Amos because we saw against Reading how beautifully they're linked up. And um, yeah, I think it's it's got to be Amos for me, I reckon. I think we haven't really seen the Johansson and Hendrick pivot, but I'd say based on what I've seen, him and Amos are best. Dan, I know you've got your uh, feelings about uh, Johansson Dazal pivot, but um, is there is there another pairing that you think, or is this just is this just a little blip that we just have to ride it out with with Johansson? Um, I don't I don't I don't hate the Dazal Johansson pivot per se. I just don't think it gives you that security, um, especially when teams a lot of teams play with some good very good number tens that can easily play between the lines. Um, for me, I I don't see anything wrong with the field and your handsome partnership that's got us what doing very well over the last two months or so. Um, I think people have been very reactive to the fact that we've only just lost two games in a row um, of twenty twenty. These are league games of twenty twenty. Um, we're still fourth. We're still in playoff contention. Um, I don't see how two games in isolation really change as much. Wow, again, funny you should say that, Dan. You're doing well with the segues today. Talking about our last five games in general, so I believe we have now won only one of our last five, which was Reading. Uh, meanwhile, the new flavour of the month teams, as there always seems to be a new one in the championship, Forest and Borough have one defeat in their last five, whereas Sheffield United haven't lost since the 15th of January, where they lost to Derby County. Um, these are three teams that were probably fancied a bit more than us at the start of the season. Definitely have more sort of expensively put together squads, uh, a lot more sort of Premier League and top of the level, top of the championship experience. Um, my question is simply this Are we in danger of losing out on a playoff spot? Either of you can go. Um, of course, I think, of course, we're in danger. Um, if you look at the table, it's, it's tight down there. I think there's, you could probably go as far as, I don't know the table off the heart, but you probably go down as far as maybe 12th. You could still be in contention for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I, I still I still have faith. I mean, on the flip side, our underlying uh, numbers, uh, we're overperforming by, by quite a bit. Um, so is there some sort of regression to come potentially? Um, but, this this squad has got us this far with what seventeen games to go. Um, there's going to have to be, for me, a major major blip for us to probably probably lose the playoffs. Um, two games isn't going to change their belief in the dressing room. They 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 feel hurt. They're, they'll know they'll know what what they need to do right. But um, no, I I, th- I think we can still get playoffs. 
Um, and yeah, just based off what you said there, Dan, I believe between Middlesbrough in sixth and Millwall in 14th, there is six points between them. So that is a good, what, eight teams still in contention for the top six. So, so it's tight down there. Um, and there will definitely be a few more teams that put together a run of form. Uh, so, you know, no, nothing set in stone. You know, we've, we've been in the top six for pretty much the entire season. Um, we're still comfortably in there. We've still got a game in hand on a couple of the teams in there. Um, but, you know, football's a funny sport, isn't it, Lucas? Do you think, you know, do you think maybe we have a chance of falling out of the top six? Um, well, just looking at the table right now, um, we have a game in hand on Huddersfield. Um, Middlesbrough have a game in hand on us. Um, and we, we, still, we still have a game in hand on Blackburn, which is telling, in my opinion, because I think the game in hand against Blackburn, I believe it's Sheffield United away, which got postponed in December, mm. which is going to be played on the... Well, it looks like it's going to be played on the 5th of April. I think that I think that game will be huge. But looking at the table right now, um, it's looking really tight. And yeah, are, are we in danger? Ask me after the ask me after the Blackpool game. That's what I have to say. Ask me after the Blackpool game as to whether or not we're in danger. Because I don't want to say anything now, but I think after the Blackpool game, we'll know a lot more. Just want to remind you, Lucas. You did say in January, that if we beat West Brom, we were getting promoted. Have you, this is what the listeners want to know, Lucas, have you changed your mind? Have I changed my mind? Again, ask me after the Blackpool. Ah, what a cough out. What a cough out. All right, Lucas, we, we await your uh, we await your psychic abilities. Um, but, yep, that is all for this week's uh, Our Gem podcast. A little bit of a different one. Um Obviously, the usual stuff that Alex does, you can follow Dan on Twitter. Dan, your at is? Uh, Dan Lambert uh, underscore. Dan Lambert underscore. Nice and easy to remember. A lot of good tactical stuff on there, if that's your type of thing. And Lucas can also be found on Twitter. Lucas, your Twitter is? Um, Lucas underscore Ross 10. Again, not a hard one to remember. Not a hard one to remember. If you like seeing Brentford fans get wound up, then Lucas is absolutely your guy. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And yeah, we will see you next week, hopefully with six points in the bag.